1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'd like you to follow along with me in verse number 1. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's going to write them two letters. We're at the end of the first letter. The second letter he writes is a lot easier than the first letter. This church was what many refer to, and I think it's safe to say, a quite carnal church. Paul even said, ye are yet carnal. And in their carnality, we realize that yet Paul still relied upon them to give. And it's important to remember, as I tried to share with you this morning, that when we talk about the spectrum of offerings that have been part of God's economy, we talked about this in the very first service this morning, there is the tithe, and God sets that amount. There's an offering that's a voluntary offering, and we saw the Jewish people, what they would do is they would bring up all of their own goods to the tabernacle to help make the tabernacle to be built. And God indicated that they should have a part of that, and that was a, heart, a, a heart-based offering. It was a willingness offering. Then we get to the New Testament, and we see that Paul commends the church at Philippi about a project offering. And this is some things that Paul needed, and the church at Philippi saw that. And they said, well, we'll give. And then they found a guy named Epaphroditus who would go and find Paul and bring him the things. That's a third kind of offering. So we have the tithe. We have a voluntary offering or free will offering, we would say. We have a project offering. The fourth kind of offering is this promised offering to which we're making reference today. That is to say that churches give. No one would dispute the tithe. None would dispute the free will offering. None would dispute the uh, project offering to say, you know, God's workers need things. Yet in this area, sometimes people say, well, I don't like the name of it. Well, then name it something that you're more comfortable with. But the fact is, is that there was a famine. They gave to that famine by a specific promise to be given at a specific time. So some churches, they'll call it grace giving. I completely support that. If a church says to me, hey, we're we're having our missions conference. We don't practice faith promise. We practice grace giving. I said, well, tell me how it works. And he said, well, we make a promise by faith every week. We just call it grace giving. It's okay with me. It doesn't matter your label of it. It's just a great way for us to give above the tithe. Here's the big sticker, and I haven't really mentioned it, but if we only did missions giving through the tithe, we would be super limited of what we could do. Because at a certain point, you have to take care of the expenses of the house of God. You have to take care of the expenses of the man of God. And then you have to take care of the the outreaches of the church. And you say, well, if we're going to do that, we're out of money already before we even start with foreign missions. But this allows us to do what they did They had a famine. What we have is the wanting to get the gospel out. And so that's how we do things at this church. Faith, promise, giving. I spoke to you about the principles of faith, promise, giving. Tonight I'm going to deal with instructions. And we're just following the scripture canonically. That is to say, we started in 
um, this morning in Acts chapter 11 where the historical beginning of what we understand to be the promised offering began. Then I took you to Romans 15 in the second service. The next mention we see in scripture here is 1 Corinthians 16. So I want you to go look with me here in chapter 16 and Paul is giving instructions to two groups of churches. One to the Galatians and secondly to the Corinthians. Notice if you would please verse number one. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. There are many times in Scripture that men will teach from 1 Corinthians 16 about tithing. While I would not fuss with them, I would say that for doing so, I think there are principles you can take from 1 Corinthians 16, but the context is clearly given under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul said... This is about the collection for the saints. What's the collection for the saints? That's not the collection of the house of God. That's completely different. This is specifically the collection for the saints. Now, if we go back to Romans 15, Paul talked about that he had ministry to the saints, the poor saints that were at Jerusalem. So we saw that this morning. And then if you realize in Acts chapter 11, it distinguished that this offering was to help take care of the needs that were back at Jerusalem because of the famine. So Paul says, this is the basis of this offering, the collection for the saints. Notice what else he says. As I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. I want you to see the equality between the church at Corinth and the church at Galatia. While the sins of Corinth were well known, when it came to the giving, there was equality. Paul said, there's no difference what I'm telling the churches of Galatia to what I'm telling you. It's the same structure we're going to have. He said, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, when Paul uses that word order... And we'll talk about this in just a minute, but just to give you the idea so it's clear, this is not a commander dictating to the troops, you are ordered to do this. This word order has a special weight to it, and we'll talk, or a special sense, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let us, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality to Jerusalem, and if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. I hope you remember from this morning's message, I spoke about the Paul's integrity in the offering. And remember I said that Paul would take a delegate from every church? Here's one of those indicators that we have. He said, I'll bring whomsoever you approve by your letters, meaning the men would choose, the, the, the church would choose the messenger that would come, and then he would bring that. Talk about integrity and finances. In a world today where everybody's kind of just doing their own thing, here we see integrity in this. And Paul said, get the guy, approve him by your letters, and we'll get him to go with us to Jerusalem. And Paul said, if I do get to go, in verse number four, verse five. And now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, and I do pass through Macedonia, that it may be I will abide yea in winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. Doesn't that sound familiar with Paul told the church at Rome? He said, I want to go to Spain, and when I come to you, I'm going to ask you to help me to get on to Spain. 
here he's talking about, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to need your help to get there. So you see this beautiful blend of the collection for the saints and the church's responsibility to help take care of the messengers of the gospel. Two distinct relationships there, but it's a beautiful picture for us to grab. Note further, if you would, please. And it may be that I will abide with you, verse number 6, verse number 7, for I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. Tonight, we're going to talk about the instructions that Paul gave about the promised offering. And in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is describing the promised offering. And in every phrase that we look at, we'll find specific instructions of how this offering was to be gathered up. These are simple things, and I kind of got stuck on the whole preacher thing of making them all with S's. The first thing I want you to see is it's a structured offering. Notice we go back to that word as I've given order. You would know this if you've ever driven through central Florida. You would see the orange groves that were there. If you've moved here from a different part of the country, uh, I know where Brother Dan comes from, and you'd see cornfields, miles of corn there in the area of Indiana where Brother Dan uh, comes from. And, and when those farmers lay out their corn, in some cases they're using satellite-guided tractors to lay out the corn as well as to harvest the corn. It is a structured thing. It's not like they got a big fan and a bag of corn, turn the fan on, throw the corn into the fan and just say, let her blow, boys. They have just laid this thing out. That's the word that Paul is using when he said, I gave order He's saying, I gave it structure. I told them there's a way we should do this offering. This is why I think it's kind of funny when when guys will teach tithing from here, say, well, you ought to bring the tithe on the first day of the week. Well, in truth, the context of Scripture is saying there, this is about the collection for the saints. Where we get this idea is that we're saying, all right, then we're following that model. How did they follow that model? This wasn't a question about instructing about tithing. I think that was already clear in their minds. This was specifically about the collection for the saints. So he said, I gave an order. This is structure. Or a mathematician or a teacher would use this as they're teaching their students to say, all right, one plus one equals two, unless it's common core math at which point it can answer be whatever you feel like the answer will be. But back when we used to do, when we say, okay, one of these and another one of these make two of these, and that's how we understand the elements. And Paul is saying there ought to be an order or a sense or a structure that's how this offering is done. So he's saying, he tells us in the following verses, here's the structure. There's a time that we give the offering. There's a place where we give the offering. There is a method of how we gather the offering. And there's a process of how we give the offering. Everything about the promised offering, whether it was for the famine or whether it was for, as we apply it today, for the cause of world evangelization, I think that we ought to follow through on this model. I'm going to go to the second one. If you're done writing things down and show you this second one. First of all, it's a structured offering. Secondly, it's a Sunday offering. Number two, I want you to see this. He's giving us the instructions. It's a Sunday offering. Notice what he said. Let every, on the first day of the week. That's pretty interesting to me. 
I know we get a lot of calendars today that start the calendar on Monday because they build in this mentality weekend. Saturday, Sunday, that's the weekend. But an authority, no higher than God himself, established that Sunday is the first day of the week. And so when I look at this, Paul is saying that when we do the promise offering, as he was indicating for them about the famine, he said, bring this on the first day of the week. And, and, and this is not a surprise offering because sometimes you miss services and pastor may have announced, hey, next Sunday, we're going to take up an offering for this and I want you to be prepared for it. You come to church, you miss that previous service you didn't know, and all of a sudden you're thinking, I don't have any money to give in this special offering. I wasn't even, it's a surprise to me. I had no idea. And now Paul is saying to them, it is not that kind of offering. This is not a surprise offering. This is something we plan for. This is something we're prepared for. This is something that we're going to do. Why? Because the famine was before them. Secondly, Paul had to gather up all the money from all the churches with all the delegates from the churches to get the money to them in enough time. So this was a money that was promised, set aside for a specific cause with a set time to be gathered. So when we look at this, we realize it's a Sunday offering. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, I can't make it on Sunday. I can only make it on Wednesday. It would be hard for you to say that because you're here on a Sunday, but let's say in that situation... I would say just give it weekly. Or if you want, give it every two weeks. Kim and I, we typically give ours monthly. I'm not saying that we're in disobedience because we do ours monthly. That I receive funds once a month from my mission support, and so that's when we give. When we consider this, I want you to realize this truth. This is how Paul taught them. Every week, I want you to give that offering. It's a very interesting point in the midst of People saying, well, church isn't so important. Attendance isn't so important. Well, it is when it comes to giving because the needs were there on a weekly basis. And Paul stresses in just a minute, he's going to tell them. And we read the verse. He said, when I get there, I don't want any gatherings when I come. You promise to give it. Please give it. That way, when we're coming in, we're coming in to pick up the offering, not rushing around at the last minute to gather it. But I want you to notice this, too. It's an offering which is planned, prepared, and put aside. And we're going to talk about those terms. But these are the instructions. The first one was it was structured. Two, he said it's a Sunday offering. Three, it's a specified offering. Now, I don't want to stretch too much just to have S's in my outline, but I saw some specifications here that I thought were worthy of bringing to your attention. First of all, I see in verse number two, not only it is a Sunday offering, but the second thing I see is that let every one of you lay by him in store. This is an offering that's not bound or tied to income. This is an offering that is bound or tied to faith. Because you could say, well, I don't have income. But you do have faith. There is a capability that you have to have a confidence and trust in God to give. Notice what it says. It is an every one of you offering. It's hard to wiggle out of that, isn't it? Because he says it here. Upon the first day of the week, well, that's clear, it's Sunday. Let every one of you, so it's a specific or a specified offering. He says in this, in this place that you and I ought to consider, because I look at this, let every one of you, how do you wiggle out of that? 
There ought to be something that I'm doing for the famine. Or if we're talking about our specific need, there ought to be something that I'm doing for world evangelism that relies on my confidence in God. It's an offering that's not tied to male or female alone. It's not an offering that's tied to if I have a certain kind of job or if I have a specific status in society or a position at the church. I believe, and we, you know, I teach this where I go. I think kids ought to be taught to give in the promised offering. In, in our home, we have one, we take, I take one card for our family. This is our together part. But Kim takes a card for herself, and she gives. And I'm, this is not a boastful measure on our part. I'm just telling you how it works at O'Malley Inc., okay? And this is how Kim fills out a card for herself. I fill out a card for both of us. We turn those cards in. That's just how we do it. But it's not tied to a gender. It's not tied to an occupation. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for missionaries. But I wouldn't give you a nickel for a pastor or a preacher or a missionary who would not tithe or give to missions. I wouldn't give you a nickel. And, and in fact, when we at Worldwide, of whom your pastor is a part of our executive board, he makes up our executive board, when he sits down at an interview, and by the way, when you let him go to those interviews, it's an important part. Every missionary is vetted by our executive board. These good men sit down with these other applicants and say, are these our kind of people? But one of the questions we ask every new missionary is, do you tithe to this church? Do you give to missions at this church? And you know what? We're asking the, pa- we're asking the missionary in front of his pastor. Why? Because why would have somebody live of the gospel and not give to the cause of the gospel? What if you found out Pastor and Mrs. Crockenfels didn't tithe? You'd say, well, we got snookered. How is it that they're not tithing? Now, what if, then we talk about what if everybody knew if everybody, who everybody, or what everybody tithed, or if they did tithe. We don't talk about those records, but you would feel like leadership of all people ought to be involved. But this one offering is an equalizer. It makes it where kids can give, parents can give, and in fact, at Worldwide, we even have uh, faith promise cards just for kids. I don't think I have any here with me, but they're kind of neat to look at as well. So this is a specified offering. The next one I want you to see is this. And this, I'd like to spend a couple of moments in this one thought. Verse number two. Let every, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, that's the specification, the specified offering. Watch these words now. Lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. There are three points I want you to see in those phrases I just read to you. There are four points in this whole verse, but the three I want you to see in the latter part here is, it says, lay by him in store. What does that mean? This is, I think the best way I can describe it, Kim's paternal grandmother, who's with the Lord and been with the Lord for a number of years, we call her Grandmama Trenton. Grandmama Trenton, she... She was as old school as they came. How old would Grandmama be now? Hundred? Yeah, I mean, she was, you know, she was of age. I don't want to say she was old. She was of age. And, uh, and so she had just some old school ways to her. One of them showed up in the way she handled her money. 
she would count her money every day. She kept her money at the house. She didn't necessarily bank per se. She kept her money at the house. And every day she would close her windows, the blinds in her house, draw the shade down, and she would take her purse out and she would count her money. But inside of her purse was a box of envelopes. And inside those envelopes were marked different expenses that she had in her life. So she had the box of envelopes that she had in her purse. Those envelopes contained cash. And she put those envelopes in the purse. And when she was done counting her money, she would put her purse in the clothes dryer. I said, Grandmama, you know, I was just bold, young son and grandson-in-law and favored grandchild I married in. I felt like I had a, some liberty. I said, Grandmama, why would you put your money in the clothes dryer? She said, John, you ever hear of somebody breaking into someone's house and checking the clothes dryer? I said, no, ma'am, I sure hadn't. She said, this is why I keep my money there. Not recommending it per se, and with my success with lost socks in the laundry, I'm thinking this is not a good program for me. But when I look at that, that's what it reminds me of Grandmama's dryer because she stored her money in it. But there's some specific things about that. You know, Grandmama had these envelopes that she wrote different expenses on. You know, and I think Dave Ramsey's made a great industry out of talking about the envelope system for his expenses of what, how, how to live. But this is what Paul is telling us to do, is that we seek for these funds as God lays it on our heart to give. And when God provides us those funds, we set it aside in the envelope, if you will, and record it. Yeah, this is what God has done. So let's say um, we're out and we're doing our normal course of business. And our let's say our faith promise commitment is $25 a week. We'll just do something simple to calculate. And you say, you know what, I budgeted this much for gas this week. And all of a sudden, gas prices dropped 15 cents a gallon. And I saved $10 on gas this week. And so you say, okay, I'm looking for how God's providing my offering to give. And I know I just saved $10 on gas. I'm just going to take that $10 I was planning on and put that in an envelope. Laid by him in store as God hath prospered him. So this is a stored offering. We seek for it. We see how God is going to do it. You say, all right, we go along, we go over to Publix, and we find out that it's buy one, get one bonanza this week. And so we buy one, get one at Publix, and all of a sudden we saved another $15 this week on our groceries that we had no plans on on say, knowing that those savings were there, and all of a sudden we say, okay, there's my $15. Then I put my envelope in my, 20, my $25 in my envelope, and I realize I'm laying by in store as God hath prospered me. What if you took the whole next 52 weeks and just simply got a simple notebook and write in there a journal of how God prospered you over the course of this year, can you imagine in 52 weeks, you'd have 52 pages in your notebook of everything God did to help you meet that which you promised to give in the promised offering. That's how Paul is talking to them. You seek for it. Begin to say, how is God going to bless me this week? What, are, what is God going to do this week so I can set this aside? Can I tell you that there have been some weeks we went ahead and gave it even if it wasn't there? Yes. You say, well, 
Well, I thought it's just if God gives it to you, you give. No, there are sometimes by faith we've just given it. And God blessed afterward. Specifically, one year I distinctly remember, I came home from a long trip. I was in Alaska, flew home. End of the year, there was a letter uh, from Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. And it, there was a, a, a letter from them, and then there was this voucher that was at the bottom. And Kim had the mail there. I went through everything, got down to the bottom of it, saw this thing from Blue Cross, and I thought, you know, the only letter they know how to send out at the end of the year is, you're paying more next year. That's the letter they know how to send. And I looked, and there was a check. I want to say it was $941. And I looked at that, and I read the letter, and it said, we've overcharged you. And I thought, you sure have. For years you've overcharged. But I'm just kind of, you know, and I'm going through, and I called Kim, and she, I said, hon, did you? She said, well, I was waiting for you to read it to make sure I understood it. Like, And what happened was they refunded us the money. For three years they overcharged. I'm thinking, you all have overcharged a whole lot longer than that, but if this is all you recognize, we'll take that. You know what I do? I look at that verse, and I look at that check, and I say, you know, on the weeks when we went ahead and just gave it, God saw that it came in on the backside. That's just, that's how we practice. I'm not saying you do it how, you do you the best way you know how. I just have scripture here that says this is how you do the promised offering. And if you don't participate in the promised offering, I encourage you to just give to missions then if, if you refuse to participate. I'm just simply looking at this passage of scripture and realizing there's some truth here you can't ignore. If you're going to dismiss the promised offering, then you're going to have to dismiss at least a few clear-cut sections of Scripture of how they gave to a project. Our project is different from their project. I stipulate to that, but I stipulate to the fact that the Scripture is clear. Paul said, lay by him in store, every one of you. Notice the next thing that Paul says in this verse. It's not just a stored offering, but now I want you to see it's a supplied offering. What does that mean? God, the offering originates with God. He lays on your heart the amount to give. You received a card as you exited the church today. When you exited the church, you got that card. You're supposed to look that card over and pray. I can't tell you the amount to put on that card. Not my job. It's cheaper for you if you fill out your own card. Because if you ask me to fill out your card, it's going to cost you something. And in fact, I had a young Marine one time tell me that. He said, preacher, he said, I like this. I, I, I take orders for a living. How much do I put on that card? I said, well, that's between you and God. He said, you don't understand, sir. I take orders for a living. Just tell me what to put on that card. And I said, well, it's going to be cheaper if you fill that out. Talk to your pastor. But there's truth here. The offering starts with God. If I seek Him on what I'm supposed to give, then I realize the offering's supplied by God. You say, well, Publix put the buy one, get one free. Yeah, but God's in control of the entire economy. And you say, well, the gas station, they were just going to lower prices anyway. But if I'm on a hunt every week for how God is prospering me, and I'm journaling that down or writing that down and saying, this is how God's prospering me, then all of a sudden I realize, wow, I've got this, this supplied offering. It's God who originated. How much should I give? It is God who is supplying my need. And I'm taking this offering that he blessed me with over and above, and I'm giving that, and I'm meeting the needs of others as well. 
And the last thing I need you to understand here is never a doubt God's ability to provide. God is able to meet all of our needs. And in fact, when we quote that verse in Philippians chapter 4, where it said, uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, that's 4.13. When we get to 4.19, Paul, is, Paul said, um, but my God, thanks for God, drew a blank, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That verse, 13 and 19, directly related to missions giving. So people say, well, I can do all things through Christ. Well, yeah, that's talking about the missionary in his life. And he's talking about them giving as the church at Philippi. And he's saying to them, yeah, my God shall supply all your need. As you give for the outreach of the gospel, God will meet your need. That's missions giving. And so never doubt God's ability to provide. Number, I don't know. It's the next one. That's the last one, in fact. So that must be slide 114. It's a sincere offering. Notice this, if you would, please. Paul writes, and he said, Let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. This is that rushing around at the last minute to get the offering together. If, this is, if you're giving sincerely, there's no rushing around at the last minute. You've set that money aside. You're ready to go. It isn't a surprise to you at all. Paul wanted the offering to be collected, not to be a time of confusion. Paul wanted the money to be, wanted to collect that offering, not gather it at the end. He wanted the offering to be ready. And I think this is where you and I need to get a mindset about the project promised offering that helps us to see this is a sincere offering. This is money that God gives us to give to the cause of missions. I believe that it's right that we give in the promised offering. I believe the promised offering allows us to do more than what our tithe could do. I, th I tithe, and I believe every Christian should tithe. And if a Christian doesn't tithe, I think that's a costly mistake in your relationship with God. God refers to it as robbing. But I believe every Christian ought to have some systematic form of giving to missions because that is a specific way that the New Testament churches... Remember, there were 34 named New Testament churches and nearly two dozen of them were involved in this promised offering. So it's, it's not just... You can't lightheartedly dismiss this type of offering. You wouldn't dismiss tithing and you wouldn't dismiss a free will offering and you'd never dismiss a project offering and you cannot dismiss a promised offering. It is real. All we did was we simply said, that was a pattern. Let us follow that pattern. Because we're not giving to a famine. Although you might have specific needs that might be met by people. It, wasn't, it isn't truly a famine. You couldn't replicate that. But it's interesting to me that as we look at Scripture, you cannot ignore this body of Scripture. If we had another five nights, I would take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and show you principle after principle of how the promised offering works. But just to conclude tonight, this is wrapping up from the first service this morning and the service tonight. Concluding thoughts. Who I am will determine what I give. If I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Christ, who I am in my walk with God determines how I give to the cause of God. 
When I give, it shows my partnership with my brothers and sisters here at church. It's not about individual solo givers. This is about what we do as a team. What God supplies is what I give every man according to his ability, Acts chapter 11 Verse 29 says, Look, no one ever gives without a surrendered heart, a submitted head, and a pair of servants' hands. That's how they gave. They were determined. They made a decision. There was a moment in, their, in that service when Agabus stood before him and said, This is the need. And they made that determination of what they were going to give. A promise made is a promise kept. The Bible said, Which also they did. Where I give is just as important as what I give. They send it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. When I lay by in store, this is kind of coming into the closing of tonight. When I lay by him in store as God prospers me, the burden to provide is on God. Because God prospers me to give, then I just hunt for it, see what he's done this week. Can you imagine how many blessings we would have on Sunday night? If we just took time for faith promise testimonies to say, I was looking for my faith promise this week and this is how God provided it. And you take time and you journal that out. What a wonderful treasure that would be. And the last one is this. When I seek to find God's provision, I will find his provision. There's no question. If I'm looking for God to provide, he doesn't let his kids down. This is what we call the promised offering. This is how we give to missions. And you might come from another church tradition that handled missions in a different way. Maybe missions wasn't even part of the whole church experience for you. But this is how this church does it. And in truth, I think there's a biblical precedent that we can follow in the promised offering. I've watched God bless churches bazillion times over. That's a made-up word, but it's the idea of over and over and over again. God's taken... Simple, quiet, humble flocks and reach the world through simple, quiet people. And they've been used to get the gospel around the world. The promised offering, that's how we do missions here at Temple. This is how God's led this church to do.